Jen, I just can't believe how much trouble you caused for Mom while I was gone. I know, Dad. You know, Jen, the thing is, you're 16 now. It's time for you to start growing up. You're right, Dad. Yeah, and as far as that punishment for you goes... I deserve it. That's right, you... What was that? I deserve it. I should have thought about my family first, not myself. You raised me better than that. You're right. And I should have been at home helping Mom rather than running around playing. Yes, you know, <laughs> again, you are correct. That's pretty smart of you, Jen. I'm really sorry. You know what? It's okay. So, you're back again, huh? <laughs> of course I am. Like, I could stay away from you guys. That's good. I really missed you. I missed you too, Jen. What is going on in this house? There's always people yelling in the middle of the night. Mom, wh what are you doing up? Once again, I will remind you, young man, that I'm a grown woman and I can get up or go to bed whenever I want to. Sorry, Mom, you're, you're right. You can go to bed whenever you want. You know, in fact, I might ask you what you're doing up so late at night. I'm just going to bed. I was putting my daughter to bed. Oh, Jenny, how nice for you. You sleep well. Good night, Grandma. Mm. I love you. I love you too, honey. Night, Jen. How are you, Robert? I'm... I'm okay. That's good. I'm glad you're back. Seems Jen found Jesus this week. I do want to thank the uh, drama team for the thought-provoking uh, vignettes that they put before us each, each week. And I hope that we are beginning to see God's work at hand in the life uh, of this family. You know, as you well know, you can Google about anything this week in preparing to talk about about and to children, I found great truths little children have learned about life. Listen to these great words of wisdom. First, no matter how hard you try, you can't baptize cats. When your mom is mad at your dad, don't let her brush your hair. If your sister hits you, don't hit her back. They always catch the second person. Never trust a dog to watch your food. Puppies still have bad breath even after eating a Tic Tac. Next, school lunches stick to the wall. How about you can't hide a piece of broccoli in a glass of milk? When you want something expensive, ask your grandparents. I figured that might hit this particular group a little bit better. Uh, wear a hat when feeding seagulls. Never ask for anything that costs more than $5 when your parents are doing taxes. How about this one? When your dad is mad and asks you, do I look stupid, don't answer him. Next, never tell your mom her diet's not working. 
Next, don't pick on your sister when she's holding a baseball bat. Or how about when you get a bad grade in school, show it to your mom when she's on the phone. Never do pranks at a police station. I like this one. Never, never tell your little brother that you're not going to do what your mom told you to do. And then last, my personal favorite, remember you're never too old to hold your father's hand. Or I might add, your father-in-law's hand in this service. I don't know if those were made up or not, but I, I do think that there's some sound wisdom there. I, I do know of some not made-up wisdom to children regarding parents. You see, we continue this morning in our study of the family. If you have been with us, you know that we spent several weeks um, discussing uh, marriage and the family, examining uh, the Word of God to see what the designer uh, of the family has to say about how it should work. This morning, we turn our attention uh, to children. So let's look at some sound wisdom um, from the Bible, specifically Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 and following, which says this, "'Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right.'" Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that, it, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. What you notice the beginning of the passage, he actually addresses children. Ch- children is the word technon, and, and guess what it means? It, it means children. It doesn't mean just small children. It refers to any offspring of parents, usually children who are still at home under the authority of their parents, which I think is the sense of the word here. Now, now why, do I, why do I point that out? You see, when Paul wrote his letters to the churches, it was his intention that his letters be read publicly to this gathered assembly. Here we see that he addresses children directly, which means he expected children to be present when the Scripture was read and taught, which is why, while we do have children's church, we call it Kid Zone, we, we actually encourage you as well to bring your children to big church. You might not think that your fifth or sixth or maybe even your third grader uh, is getting that much out of our time together, but we see here the ex- expectation is that they gather with us um, that as much as possible, they grow from the reading and instruction of the Word of God. So, so having said that, I want you to understand that Paul is addressing children here. I, I am going to address children this morning. And, and so kids, however many there are here this morning, I want you to listen. I, I remember what it's like to sit in big church and feel like you don't know what's being said. In fact, I remember when I was a kid um, in church, I could tell you how many lights and how many ceiling tiles were in every auditorium that I ever sat in. I was, I was, I was like the count. Sunday mornings, I liked to count. In fact, some of you kids here this morning, maybe even some adults can tell me exactly how many lights are on this ceiling and how many red sound panels are on the wall. In case you haven't counted. There are 48 lights, although three are currently burned out, and 52 red sound tiles, although 16 of them are hidden behind black curtains. I know this because one Sunday when Glenn was speaking, (laughs) I'm kidding. 
I made that up. I counted last Friday, so nobody would need to count today. So everybody can listen up. You say, but I haven't been a child in many years. That's okay, because I'm going to have some things to say to adults as it relates to children, and I'm going to talk to adult children later. You see, we all fall in the children category. Besides, the principles that we're going to talk about, you need to impress on your children and grandchildren because some of them are going to be busy counting this morning. Now, as I said earlier, when Paul says children, he's addressing every infant and toddler and child and teenager who is still under the authority of his or her parents. So I'm not just talking to to six-year-olds. Children... Uh, teens who happen to be here this morning, you have two responsibilities listed in this passage with some supporting um, arguments. First, you are to obey your parents, which expresses an attitude uh, or an action. And then second, you are to honor your parents, which expresses an attitude. Obey and honor. If you can get those two things down, you will understand the sum total of your responsibility before the Lord. So let's look at that first command found in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Now, now, now what does that mean? The word for obey is different from the word that Paul used to to wives, uh, to speak to wives in relation to their husbands in chapter 5. There the word spoke of voluntarily submitting to another's authority. Here, the word means literally to listen under And from that, it means to obey, to respond to, to answer to. Very simply, this word means to listen and do what you're told, children. So let's stand and be dismissed in a word of prayer. You say, how much of what I am told do I have to do? Do I have to do everything? Colossians chapter 3, verse 20, Paul says it a bit more clearly. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things. And so the answer is yes, you have to obey in everything. But, but you say, but what if I don't want to? Or what if I don't like it? What if I don't like taking out the trash? Neither do they. That's why they make you do it. Obeying does not mean you have to like the task you obey anyway. Now, I, even as I say that, I know some of you parents here don't like the sounds of that. You, you, so I want them to obey and I want them to like it. But I want you to think of Jesus himself. He was obedient to his father, obedient even to the point of death, death on, on the cross. In fact, he pleaded with his father, not unlike you, Uh, your children, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. But there was no other way, and so Jesus endured the cross, despising its shame. For what? For the joy set before Him as a result of the cross, as a result of His obedience. I don't think that Jesus, and I'm not trying to be irreverent here, But I don't think that Jesus came to His Passion Week and thought, yippity-skippity, I get to be crucified this week. But, But He did it because it was right. My point is, we may cause, sometimes even force our children to obey, 
and they might have to do things that are unpleasant. I want to suggest that we not get angry with them because they don't like it. Now, griping and complaining, being disrespectful, begrudging obedience, that's a different thing. We're going to talk about it in a moment when we talk about honoring parents. Children, obey your parents. Notice he says, parents. That's both of them. Not just your dad because he carries the bigger stick, but your parents, mom and dad. Don't make your dad have to be the bad guy. Do what mom says when she says it. Parents, don't make her have to say, just wait till your father gets home. In fact, you actually shouldn't do that. Obey your parents in the Lord. Now, now what does that mean? Some have suggested that you only have to obey your parents if they're Christians. You know, obey your parents, you know, the parents who are in the Lord, which means if your parents are not in the Lord, that is, they are not Christians, you don't have to obey, right? Wrong. That's, that's not what Paul is saying. I believe it's the same principle we saw in chapter 5, wives be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Later, um, instructing slaves, Paul says, be obedient to those who are your masters in the sincerity of, of your heart as to Christ. The point, I believe, is this. Kids, the command here is to obey your parents, and it comes from the very Word of God. So, when you are obeying your parents, you are obeying Christ. And when you disobey your parents, you are disobeying Christ. And, and, and particularly in second and third service, you, you, they might say, but my parents live in high point. They don't know. I don't care. Christ is there, and He is here. Obey your parents in the Lord. Now, parents, there is an important concept here for us to grasp. Ultimately, our authority over our children comes from the Lord Himself. It's not just the fact that you bore them. Your authority comes from the Lord Himself. It's not just because they're little and you're bigger and stronger and can whip them. It comes from the Lord, which means we will give an answer to Him for the way that we have handled this trust given to us. We will give an account for the way that we have reared our children. Let me also say this. As parents, we should try um, uh, early on to help our children understand that our authority comes from God, and we should begin intentionally transferring that authority to God. Well, why do I say that? If they only obey our authority, then what will cause them to obey when we're not around, when we can't see them? or when they grow up and leave our homes. We need to help them understand that all authority, including our authority, is derivative. It comes from God. And we are always people under authority. Always. I, I, don't you love it when kids say, I can't wait to grow up and move out, then I can do whatever I want. Right? Now, don't, you've heard them say that? Kids, listen, no, you can't. If you do whatever you want, you'll end up in prison. Let me give you a specific example of this idea of transferring authority. 
When you tell your kids to do something and the inevitable response comes back, why? A better answer than, because I said so, is because God, the ultimate authority in our lives, has made me responsible for your nurture, care, and discipline. And in order for you to be obedient to the Lord, you should obey me as I seek to do what is best for you. Yes, I know that that will take a little bit longer than because I said so. I know that you might be on your way outside the door and you just need them to put their shoes on. I get that. But if you will, if you will occasionally communicate this truth to them, you will do two things. First, it will help your kids understand that they and we are accountable to a higher authority. We are accountable to God. And second, it might just help us to determine if our commands are for their nurture, care, and discipline, or for our convenience. How long, you ask, do I have to obey? Well, I believe that I can safely say that you have the responsibility to obey as long as you come under the authority of your parents. Notice I didn't say under their roof, I said under their authority, which means whether you're in grade school, high school, or college, you still have a responsibility to obey. Remember, even if they aren't present, God, who is your ultimate authority, is. So you obey as long as you are under their authority. Let me share a, a personal story with you. I went to college right after high school. In fact, it was about 26 days because of the school that I went to. It was 26 days after I graduated from high school. College was in another state. I was 18. I was on my own. Came home after that first year. Now I'm, I'm 19. Been gone for a year. That first weekend, I was home. A bunch of friends got together to, to kind of catch up. Um, before I left home, the year before, um, on the weekends, my curfew was midnight. I could stay out later, but if I did stay out later, um, I had to call. Again, I'd been gone for a year. I'd been on my own. I'd been out past midnight many times without calling home. I was grown up. I was my own man. So I came in that first weekend I was home. I came rolling in about 1.30 in the morning. The first clue that something was amiss was the den light was on. I came walking in, and there was my father reading the newspaper. That was my second clue. He doesn't normally read the newspaper at 1.30 a.m. He did not say a word at first. I stood there silently. He finished his article, folded it very deliberately, stood up, looked at me and said, if you ever do this again, you and I are going to have it out. He then went to bed. I felt pretty badly that I had kept him up, and I realized very quickly that I was still under authority. I quietly got ready for bed, climbed in, turned off the light, and then I heard footsteps coming down the hall. The door opened, and I heard my father's voice say, I love you, son. And he turned and left. I will never forget that moment as long as I live. I was still under his authority, the authority of one who was nurturing and caring for me. 
you obey until you leave father and mother and become united to your spouse and form your own family unit. There is a sense in which you are free from their authority. But let me say, let me say at this point, if you have godly parents and they suggest something, I don't care how old you are, you better carefully consider what they say. We're actually going to talk about that more next week. You see, I recognize particularly in, well, in all, in all of our services that, that, that we're grown and, and some of us have older parents, aging parents, or some of us have adult children. What does it look like? We talked about parenting last week. What does it look like to parent adult children? And what does it look like to honor and obey aging parents? We're going to talk about that next week. I'm eager to, to learn what I'm going to say about that. Well, you are to obey your parents in the Lord. Why? Paul says, obey them for this is right. In Colossians, he says, obey them for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. You obey them for this is right. Enough said. But how is it right? Lots of potential reasons. Maybe Paul was thinking that it is actually an accepted and, and, and proper norm in almost every society to obey parents. The law of God written on people's heart tells them, obey your parents. Most kids feel badly on their own when they disobey. Their consciences, see, accuse them. It isn't really till later when they have learned how to kill their conscience that they no longer feel badly about it. In in fact, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1 that one of the signs of rebellion against God is children are disobedient to their parents. This is a sign of humanity's rebellion against God. He he says um, it's one of the signs of the last days. Look at this interesting passage. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says this, but realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come, for men will be, now look at this list, lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, yada, yada, yada. Right there in the middle of this awful list is being disobedient to parents. It is a sign of rebellion against God. It is a sign of the last days. So Paul says, obey your parents. Well, maybe Paul has the Old Testament law of God in mind, not just the law on your heart. Maybe he has the Old Testament law of God. He, he quotes the fifth commandment uh, uh, of the Ten Commandments in the next verse. Maybe he was thinking of all those um, Old Testament passages that talk about stoning rebellious or disre- disrespectful children. You thought spanking was bad. Maybe he had the wise words of Solomon in mind. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Maybe he was thinking of Jesus' words himself when he too said, honor your father and mother. Maybe he had in mind the example of the Lord himself who obeyed his parents. Who knows why Paul said it? He, the, the fact is, he said it is right and it is well-pleasing to the Lord to obey your parents. Not only are you to obey your parents, you are to honor them as well. In other words, there is a proper attitude to support right actions. You don't obey them just because you have to. You don't obey them 
to avoid a stoning or a spanking. You don't just obey them because they're bigger. You don't just obey them because they pay your college tuition. You don't obey them with a resentful and bitter attitude. You obey with an attitude of honor for your parents. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. You know, not get stoned. Let's, let's tear that apart. What does it mean to honor someone? The word speaks of honor or respect, esteem, or reverence. It's to have a high regard for. We need to talk about that. Paul doesn't say, honor your parents, have a high regard for them if they deserve it. If they're really, really good parents, honor them. And if they're not good parents, you can blow them off. No, he didn't say that. He says, your obedience and honor toward your parents is a command that is based simply on the fact that they are your parents. Now, if they tell you to do something ungodly or wrong, then obviously there's that principle of higher authority. You obey the higher authority, which is, which is God. But this idea, and, and, and you've, I've said it, I've heard it, respect is something earned, is not true. You do what they say, you honor and respect them in the process because of the position they hold. The fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter how good or how bad your parents are. You can compare your parents to other folks any day of the week. You can always find some cleavers out there somewhere. But there is no such thing as perfect parents. We all make mistakes. None of us truthfully, deserve respect, but you respect them anyway. And also remember that I talked to parents last week about how they can be better parents. I hope that this week was a better week. Some of you here this morning, children as well as adults, are, are sitting here saying, you don't, you don't have a clue, Scott. You could never understand what I went through as a child. Very gently, I, I'm not telling you to like your childhood. I'm not telling you to honor and respect their sinful actions towards you. But I am saying we have a responsibility to honor parents, and that honor, I want to suggest, next week, never stops. Notice this is the first commandment with a promise. Without going into the pages and pages of discussion that I read about this, what I think that means is this. This is the first in, a, in priority of all of the commandments to children, and this particular commandment comes with a promise. Kids, of all of the promise, of, excuse me, of all of the commands in the Bible directed towards you, this one ranks at the top. You are to honor your parents. Why? Because it comes with the promise that it will go well with you, that's quality of life, and you may live long on the earth, that's quantity of life. The fact of the matter is, your parents, and I'm speaking generally here, your parents are smarter than you. If they tell you not to play in the street, that's for your own good, it will go well with you, you'll likely live longer. If they tell you to slow down when you drive, or to not talk on the phone or text when you drive, it's for your own good, and you will 
likely live longer. Same can be said when they tell you not to stay out late, don't drink, don't do drugs, host of other things. They are trying to preserve both your quantity and quality of life. They're not just trying to make life onerous, difficult. Now, let me close this morning then by asking this question. What are some ways that we can honor our parents? Let me give you three um, quick things that apply to everybody in this room, okay? Been talking to kids, applies to everyone. First, we've already talked about this. You can honor your parents by obeying them with an honoring or respectful attitude. Again, that does not mean that you have to like the task assigned, but you respect your parents in the process. There's that old illustration. You tell Johnny to sit down. He says no. You tell him again. He says no. You spank his little bottom. He sits down, maybe crying, maybe angry, and you know he's sitting down on the outside, but he's standing straight up on the inside. That's obeying. That's not honoring. Honoring is doing what we're told with an attitude of respect toward parents. Second, we can honor our parents by taking care of their needs. I am talking about adult children and older parents here. I'm going to talk about that next week. So, so third, last thing I had to say this morning, we can honor our parents. Um, this applies to every person in the room, particularly if you have Christian parents. Last week, I read an article uh, on crossexamine.org that, that was actually quoting a Barna survey and a USA Today survey that said three of four teens walk away from church, three of four walk away from church after they leave high school. That is 70 to 75% of 20-somethings who were active in the church as teens who have now left. Reasons cited in the article were church is irrelevant, or I want to experience what the world has to offer, so for the time I put God on the back burner. It's interesting, but that by the time they get to their 30s, they start coming back, but not all of them. Um, uh, another reason, I've come to doubt Christianity. In fact, the main reason cited is called intellectual skepticism. Intellectual skepticism. By the way, if we have any students here in this first service, you should know that statistics show that professors are five times, university professors are five times more likely to be atheists than the general public. You say, well, that's because they're, 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 they're smarter. Well, n- no, they aren't. They're just more educated. In fact, the Bible says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Third John, verse 4, John penned these words, I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in the truth. Now, now yes, John was talking about his spiritual children, but could we not apply this to our physical children as well? Of all of the accomplishments our children could attain, of all of the heights to which they could climb, of all of the awards and trophies and accolades they could acquire, 
There is nothing more important than this to see them walking in the truth. To see you, kids, walking with Jesus. To make our faith your faith. Children, you could bring your parents no greater joy, no greater honor than to serve the God they serve, to know Jesus the way they know Jesus. And so you say, well, Scott, are you saying that I honor my parents by believing in Jesus even if I don't? No. I'm suggesting, I'm suggesting, now listen up, kids. I'm suggesting that your parents might actually be right. I'm suggesting that your parents love you and your atheist professors do not. So before you accept the claims of said professors and dismiss and dishonor your parents because, well, the professors are more educated, consider that your parents might just be right. And at least honor them by an honest, faithful, intellectual, and spiritual examination of the facts before dismissing them dishonorably as the hip college thing to do. Obey with honor. Take care of them. Follow Christ. Let's stand for prayer.